Hi Church, I'm Chloe. I'm Tim. And our first Bible reading today comes from Psalm 139 verses 1 to 16. Please read with me. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 35 to 49. Please read with me. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and star differs from star in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of earth. As is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have, you have made. We thank you for your word, which is living and active. Uh, we thank you, Father, for the bodies you have given us. And Lord, I pray as your word is read and explained today, your spirit would encourage us, comfort us, teach us, correct us, rebuke us, train us. 
Lord, do a mighty work in each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, A recent survey asked this question, what's one thing that you would change about yourself? And the top answer for both men and women was this, my body, my body. Uh, I'd lose some weight, I'd gain some weight, I'd get fit, I'd have a better body. So so a staggering 90% of women are dissatisfied with their bodies. Same with the men, about 70% of men don't like their bodies. Almost one in 10 teenagers will have an eating disorder. Uh, 43% of girls aged 6 to 10 years old wish they were thinner. Friends, that is the, the toxic body culture that we live in. Here in Australia, we spend a billion dollars per year on cosmetic surgery. Every day, we see 3,000 images of bodies through marketing and advertising. 3,000 images of the so-called perfect bodies that cause us to either lust or to self-loathe. And social media is awash. It's awash with the so-called perfect, normal body that subtly plays with our minds, thinks that's what I need to look like. There's an epidemic, an epidemic of self-hatred, of body shaming, of body obsession, with diets and with fitness, with products and procedures. So today we're talking about bodies, our physical bodies. Uh, it's funny, I, I've preached countless sermons on the soul or on the mind, but I'd never preached on the body before. That's funny because bodies are part of what it means to be human. So our bodies do matter. We're body, mind, and spirit. Please do not devalue your body. The Greek uh, philosophers, Aristotle, Socrates, and Plato, they believed in what's called dualism, this, this separation of the body from the spirit or the soul. So they said that the soul or the mind was important, but your body is not important. All that matters is what you think or how you feel, but it doesn't matter what you do with your body. Does that sound familiar? But the Bible says something completely different. God created us body and spirit together. So Genesis 2 verse 7, when God formed the first man, Adam, from the dust of the earth, he formed a body, a physical body. And then he breathed life into that body and the man became a living being. So as human beings, we are both body and spirit together. Uh, being, having a body is part of what it means to be in the image of God. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 27, God created humankind in his image, in his likeness. So God didn't just create souls, but he created bodies. And remember, part of being in his image is that we are created to, to represent God. So our bodies are here to, to make visible the invisible qualities of God, his love, his compassion, his mercy. That's why God gave us speech and language and communication. Our bodies matter because right back at creation, God designed this human body knowing that one day he would inhabit one. One day God himself would take on human flesh. One day the Lord Jesus Christ would come with a human body so he could empathise with all our weaknesses. 
because he's been there. So our bodies do matter. And today I've got three memory verses for you. Three memory verses. Here's the first one. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, says Psalm 139. That is a truth that you have to believe. So how should we view our bodies? Now, yes, we are biological, so 99% of our body is made up of oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, calcium, and phosphorus. Yes, we're a collection of muscles and bones and nerves and hormones and bodily fluids. But our bodies are not just biological. They are theological. You ever looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I don't like my body. I'm I'm inadequate or I'm average. Well, read Psalm 139 because King David is overwhelmed with this majestic God who knows him so well. He's in awe of this amazing God who's created him with a unique, intricate and wonderful body. Psalm 139 is a wonderful psalm that you've got to believe. The repeated word is you, you God, you formed me. Look at it, verse 13, it's on the screen. For you created my inmost being. Uh, That word created is so important. It's not just made or formed, but it's created. So God didn't just take existing elements and rearrange them and say, that'll do. No, he created you from that sperm and that egg. You are a created being. We are creatures. So creatures who are dependent on their creator It's like our human body is a a reminder of our humanness. Our our body reminds us that we need to eat, drink, and sleep because we are not God. We're dependent on God. Verse 13 again, you you knit me together in my mother's womb. I love that. Like Like a needle worker doing the minuscule, precious, precise work. God takes every cell, organ, blood vessel, joint, nerve, fibre, protein, collagen, and precisely and perfectly knits you together to create you in the womb. Or as verse 15 says, in the secret place. In that place that we get a glimpse of through ultrasounds, but that place where we're not in control of, but God is. Verse 15, again, my... My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together, woven together like a, like a weaver taking each strand, like a watchmaker making a watch, like a potter shaping the clay. God is weaving us, everything in your body to create this masterpiece, this work of art that he calls you. So God created your fingers and your toes with their unique prints. And God created your eyes so you could see approximately 10 million different colours with your distinct retina scan. God created your nose that can distinguish up to 50,000 different smells. Your taste buds that are replenished every 10 days. God created every millimetre of your 150,000 kilometres of blood vessels in your body. God created your bones, which ounce by ounce are stronger than steel. God created your 500 different muscles. It takes 200 muscles just to take a step. God created your brain, 
that can hold one million billion different bits of information. And God created your DNA and covered you with your skin. And God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, That word fearful, it's the same as the word fear of the Lord. It's not being terrified. It's saying that I revere you, I respect you, I'm in awe of you, God. God, how awesome is your creation. The word wonderful, it means distinguished, separate or unique. So church, God made you to be special. And I'm not flattering you. I'm just saying there's no one else like you. Of the seven billion human bodies on this earth, you are the only you that God created. Your works are wonderful, says David. I know that full well. Actually, that verse literally says, you know me full well. Not either that full well, but you know me full well. David is saying, God, you are so amazing. Science doesn't really explain me, and psychologists can't explain me, and I can't explain me, but you, God, can explain me because you made me, you designed me just the way I am. And what's the response? Verse 14, I praise you. I praise you. Friends, I think we need to learn to to praise and thank God for the body he has given us. And I don't say that lightly. I know they're very hard words for some people to hear or to say. Because some of us have suffered so much pain because of our bodies, whether it's physical afflictions or chronic illnesses or body shaming or body image issue, but we need to learn to thank God for our bodies. Not because our bodies are perfect, they never will be. Not because we've got the body we've always wanted, but because each of our bodies has been fearfully and wonderfully and uniquely made by God himself. So speaking personally, for years and years, I struggled to thank God for my body. Growing up, I was labelled skinny and my nickname was Stick Insect. And I had this massive insecurity about my physique. And then I moved to Australia and things just got worse. Because everywhere I went, there were tanned, toned bodies flaunting themselves everywhere. I was too intimidated to go to the beach. I couldn't wear certain T-shirts because it made my arms look skinny. But to be honest, that was sin in my life because I was, I was letting the world inform and influence me. I wasn't praising God for my body. I was full of self-criticism for my body. I was saying, I'm puny. I don't like my body. I want bigger biceps. And so I went to the gym to get bigger biceps and felt intimidated by all the other bigger biceps. But actually, it wasn't just self-criticism. Actually, I was criticizing God. Because I was subtly saying, God, you made a mistake when you made this body of mine. God, you made a mistake. But God doesn't make mistakes, does he? This is the body that God gave me. And I may not like everything about me, but God thinks it's good. God chose my hair colour and my skin colour and my eye colour and my height and my weight and my natural bone density. And I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so is every human being. 
and so are you. Brother and sister, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I just talk for a bit longer on body image because our culture is obsessed, infatuated with body image. We've turned these bodies which are supposed to be image bearers of God and, and we've made them into idols. So our value, our dignity, our worth, our identity becomes linked to my body shape, my body size or my external beauty. Now there's nothing wrong with external beauty. King David was described as ruddy and handsome with beautiful eyes. But please remember 1 Samuel 16, the Lord does not look at the things that people look at, the Lord looks at the heart. And I think we know that up here. But the problem is that those 3,000 images per day, they're destroying us. They're lying to us. They're saying you must look like this. And it is not true. So in the US, the, the average woman is five foot four inches and she weighs 63 kilograms. But the average fashion model or advertiser model is, is five foot 10 and weighs 49 kilograms. We're just presented with this lie that you have to be tall and skinny. It's not just for women. For blokes, it's the impact of all those images of the, the six-packed abs or the athletic builds. You say, I must look like that. We watch superheroes like Wolverine or Thor. You think, I need a body like Chris Hemsworth. I could get the app. I could do the workouts. I could get the diet. The nutrition industry is massive. Low fat, high fat, low carb, high protein, 5'2", 16.8. And the fitness industry makes $100 billion per year. The tattooing industry is massive. All these people painting their identity on the outside of their bodies. And friends, social media is like this, this weapon of mass destruction for your self-esteem. That's why I'm not on it. And maybe you to, to cut back on posting or liking because it is full of people posting the perfect body with the perfect angle often airbrushed or photoshopped. Or you get an app to change the flaw that you don't like about your body, give yourself a new chin, a new ear, some new cheekbones, and then get that fix as other people like it. And I fear we are breeding this narcissistic, self-captivating, body-obsessed culture. And some people are literally starving themselves and binging themselves and mutilating their bodies to strive for this body that the world says is wonderful. No, it is God that says you are wonderful, not the world. It is God who says that you are beautiful, not the advertising industry. We do not need the so-called perfect body, whatever that may be. Now take the Lord Jesus Christ. If Isaiah 53 is correct, he had no beauty to attract us to him. So the Son of God picked a pretty ordinary body because it's what's in here that counts. So church, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Number two, honour God with your body. Honour God with your body. That's 1 Corinthians 6. 
See, see, our culture says, my body belongs to me and I can do what I want with it. But the Bible says, no, your body belongs to God because God created it. It's God's property, not yours. God is the owner. You're just the, the tenant or the manager. It's like God loaned you this body to live in here on earth. But if God owns it, he has the authority to tell you what you can and can't do with it. Your body belongs to God. And here's what I love. God not only created your body, he, he then redeemed your body. Flick over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or it is on the screen Paul writes, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. That is the gospel, isn't it? That the Lord Jesus Christ took on a human body and his body was battered and bruised and beaten and flogged. Why? For you, for me. He wanted to buy us or to redeem us, bought at a price. It's the language of redemption. I love the, uh, the true story of the, the young slave girl who was chained, looking gaunt and emaciated and, and just hopeless. And one day this wealthy man called Abraham Lincoln walked on by and he saw her. He took pity on her and he handed over a large sum of cash and he redeemed that girl. And she was totally amazed. She said this, what do you want me to do for you, sir? I'll cook, I will clean, I'll work for you all my days. And Abraham Lincoln said this, you don't have to do anything. You are free to go and live as you please but just live as a redeemed person. That's the idea. You've been redeemed. You've been bought. You were a slave to sin. Your, your bodies were corrupt. You used your hands to, to fight rather than to pray, to, to tear down rather than to build up. You were slaves to sin, but, but the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed you, not with silver or gold, but with his own blood. Jesus bought you not because you were buff or beautiful. Jesus bought you because he loves you. And so we're free. We're free to use our bodies in a way that reflects that Jesus is our master. We're free to use our bodies in a way that reflects how good God is. So God created your body. He redeemed your body. And I love this. The Holy Spirit indwells your body. Verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who's in you. That's extraordinary. If you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he lives in you. And it struck me that, that God could have used the word house or residence, but he chose that word temple. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Because the temples were the place where God's people went to, to worship God, to revere God, to come into the presence of God. And it wasn't just a beautiful place, it was a, a holy place. A holy place set apart for God, and that is your body. Holy. Set apart from the world, set apart for God. If God is dwelling within you, then nothing unclean or defiling should enter his presence and people should see God in and through you. 
And that's why Paul says, honour God with your bodies. Honour God. Magnify God. Give him the glory with the way that you use your body. How are we going to do that, church? Honour God with what you put into your body and honour God with what comes out of your body. What you put in. Honour God with your food. 1 Corinthians says, food for the stomach and stomach for the food. So our bodies need food for fuel. And yes, we can enjoy food. 1 Timothy 4 says that everything is good. And when I first arrived in Sydney, I was struck by how good the food is here. We have an extraordinary choice of fruit and veg and cuts of meat and the array of fish and incredible desserts. And we can enjoy all of that. But food is a body issue. Uh, One end of the spectrum, we've got people who are obsessing over every calorie, literally starving themselves to get the so-called perfect body. And that's so, so sad to see people battling these eating disorders. That's what our world has done to us. But the other end of the spectrum, uh, an area we don't often talk about, is gluttony and greed, perhaps the unspoken sin in our church. We, we just consume so much good food and good wine and we spend so much money on food and we waste so much food and we're just indulgent and decadent, gorging ourselves on luxury food and fine wine. Not, not a little wine for our stomach, but excessive consumption of alcohol which totally messes with our bodies. So honour God with what you put in, with the food. Honour God with your exercise. At 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, physical training is of some value. Some value, but godliness has value for all things. But physical training is of some value. We do need to exercise. A walk, a swim, the occasional run, Pilates, stretching is good for your bodies. But again, we've got the two ends of the spectrum. We're either lazy and we just lounge on the couch watching Netflix and that's doing damage to our bodies. Or we're obsessive. They're pounding the pavements, pumping the iron for that perfect physique. It's idolatry. Someone said my temptation was to make my body a temple of self-glory. Now, honour God with your eating, with your exercise. Honour God with your sleep. I hope you know you need sleep. Our bodies need sleep. God doesn't slumber and God doesn't sleep, but you are not God. Ideally, we'd have eight hours a night, but again, we, we like to think differently. We think we can push ourselves and we just deprive our bodies of sleep. And sleep deprivation is so damaging to your body. It changes the way that you think and the way you treat other people. It increases your stress. So honour God with what you put into your body. Eat well, exercise well, sleep well. Be as healthy as it's helpful to be. Not to be seen as fit and buff, but so you've got a good body to serve God and serve others. And honour God with what comes out of your body. With your words. Ephesians 4, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building other people up. Make sure you use your body to speak words of truth 
words of kindness. Get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and filthy language. Honour God with your sexual behaviour. We'll talk about this in two weeks' time, but in Corinth, there was a massive problem. People using their bodies to sleep with whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted, and Paul said, no, no, that's not honouring God. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Honour God with the good deeds that you do. Use your body to help other people, serve other people, love other people. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, Romans 12. So God's given you a body, he's bought it back, he's redeemed it, he indwells you, so honour God with your bodies. Number three, lastly, Jesus will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, Philippians 3 verse 21. Uh, Paul reminds us that these bodies of ours were not meant to last forever. This is not as good as it gets There are a few different metaphors used in the Bible for these earthly bodies. In 2 Corinthians 5, it uses the word earthly tent. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1, we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened. I love that. Our bodies are like a tent. They're not permanent. They're temporary. They are flimsy they were never meant to last it describes our tents as groaning with aches and pains and hurts and heartache we are burdened that's the word used to describe job as he scraped his skin with that pottery covered in sickness and sores so these earthly tents are are broken they're burdened they're frail they're fragile they're not meant to last Philippians uses the word lowly body. It's not a heavenly body yet. It's not perfect yet. I love 1 Peter 1, verse 24. All people are like grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Ever thought of your bodies like that, like grass? Oh, they look good today and they look green and luscious, but but they will fade. They will die. You've got to own this. From the moment that you are born, your body begins to age. This earthly body just wastes away. It's called aging. Every one of us, our bodies are going to sag and droop. Every single one of us will get wrinkles and our skin will go scaly and blotchy and our hair will thin and our eyes won't work and our arms won't be long enough to hold the book anymore and our legs won't work as well, and our our joints will hurt, and we'll feel tired and achy. It's called growing old. But again, I think we've got a problem with ageing. We are anti-ageing. Go down to Balmoral, there's nothing more ridiculous than an old person with tanned, sagging skin, desperately trying to look young. And the sad reality is that the people in this area aren't just double-jabbed. They're jabbing themselves every single week with some chemical to make themselves look look young again. In Australia, 200,000 procedures per year. I'm not talking about general surgery like corrective eye surgery to restore your sight or cochlear implants to restore your hearing or knee replacements to help you walk. I'm talking about all these modifications purely for so-called beauty. It's the endless quest for youth. Age gracefully. 
except this tent is just flapping and failing and our bodies are decaying and that's okay. So where it's meant to be. Because one day we'll have a new body, a glorious body. Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. I love 1 Corinthians 15, it was read for us. It says this, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow doesn't come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, you plant just a seed. But God gives it a body as he has determined. It's just gardening 101. You plant a seed, you don't plant the whole tree. You plant a seed in the dark, cold ground and you wait and that bulb becomes a tulip and that apple pit becomes an apple tree. But the seed has to die. The seed has to be buried, it needs to decompose, but out of death comes life, glorious life, a transformed life. And the apple tree is so much more glorious than the apple pip, isn't it? And the mustard tree is so much more glorious than the mustard seed. And that's what we're looking forward to. My body will decay, my body will die, and like a seed, one day I'll be placed in the ground and my body will rot, my body will decompose. But death is the great gateway to this glorious new body, a, a resurrection body, a, a different body. Isn't that what you want? I, I don't want this same body that's put in a coffin into the ground for all eternity. I don't want my heart murmur and my stomach issues in eternity. It's 1 Corinthians 15 verse 42 on the screen. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It's decaying. It's deteriorating. It doesn't look good for long. But it's raised imperishable. It never grows old, never decays. It's sown in dishonour. It's raised in glory with weight and majesty and marvellous body like Jesus. It's sown in weakness. Fragile, frail, flimsy. It'll be raised in power, no suffering, no sin, no burdens, no brokenness, no blame. It's sown a natural body confined by time and space. It'll be raised a spiritual body like the Lord Jesus Christ, fit for heaven. Now, I long for that body. I long for my resurrection body. And when you live like this, longing for a body like this, it changes the way that you view your own body. And it will change the way that you view other people's body. And I know I'm running out of time, but can I just say I have loved watching the Paralympics this week. All those incredible athletic achievements of people who have profound disabilities. And the Bible speaks powerfully to anybody who has a less able body. Now, we live in a broken world and some people are born with or become so-called less able-bodied. But listen carefully, every less able-bodied person is still fearfully and wonderfully made and they will have a glorious body in eternity. I love the story of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 9, the, the son of Jonathan, the grandson of Saul, who had a disability because he, he was dropped as a child. He couldn't walk, he needed to be carried. 
But King David did not single him out. He treated him like he treated every other son of Jonathan. He treated him with kindness and dignity and he welcomed him to the table. That's how David treated him. That's how Jesus treated people. Think Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, or Zacchaeus, the very short man, or the lepers, or the bleeding woman, or the the paralytic lowered through the roof, or the paralyzed man who lay there for almost 40 years at the pool of Bethesda. It is quite extraordinary. Jesus performed 35 miracles, and 23 of them involved people with disabilities. Jesus treated disabled people with dignity and kindness and love and grace because he didn't see them by their physical body. That's our model. You must treat every human being with dignity. How dare we exclude less able-bodied people from our gatherings? How dare we look at a less able-bodied person through the lens of their body? It does not define them. These people are fearfully and wonderfully made, bought at a price and dwelt by the Spirit of God. Now, sure, their earthly tent might be a bit more fragile than yours or mine. Although, as one person helpfully said, most of us are in our temporary, non-disabled phase. Because as we age, many of us will walk with a stick or need a wheelchair. And many of us will not see or hear well. I'm just longing for these, these beautiful resurrection, resurrection bodies. So, Mahia, if, if God doesn't heal you here on earth, you'll have these legs in heaven that will run and leap and dance again. And Peter, your eyes will see again. And Tim or Naomi, your brain will work perfectly again. And little baby Isla, you'll have eyes that will see and ears that will hear and legs that will walk. And every human being will have this glorious resurrection body that will never perish or fade or spoil. That's what we long for, isn't it? This, is, this body is not as good as it gets. These are just lowly bodies with all their quirks and all their failings. But one day we'll have a transformed, glorious body. And that's why we pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. So let me pray. Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your extraordinary, unique, intricate creation of our bodies. Every cell, every fiber, every nerve, every bone. Thank you that in that secret place you knit each one of us together perfectly, uniquely. And you declare that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you pray, Father, for anybody who is watching today, who is struggling with self-esteem because of their bodies? Spirit of God, would you speak powerfully into their lives right now and say that they are fearfully and wonderfully made? Father, forgive us. Forgive us for times when we have used bodies to shame people, to bring guilt upon people, Forgive us for times when we have identified worth or value based on a particular height or body shape or weight. 
Father, we do pray that you give us a, a right understanding of the bodies you've given us. We would care for them so we would use them for your glory. Help us to be wise with what we eat, the way we exercise, the way that we sleep, the words that we speak. Father, I'm very conscious around the world today there are many people who are suffering in their bodies because of violence and, and war. We stop and pray right now for those men, women, boys and girls in Afghanistan. And we pray for your protection upon their physical bodies and for your protection upon their mental health. We pray that you would stop this violence. We pray there would be extraordinary, unfathomable peace in that country that can only come from you. And Father, we lift up this nation and ask that we be, be real about these fading, failing bodies that we would not try and deny the aging process. And Father, we long for those bodies that work perfectly. No pain, no suffering, no sickness, no hurts, no heartache. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus.